Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Clean Energy View radio show, which is a special series focused on the world of clean energy. Our podcasts are available on iTunes under the Organic View Radio Network, or you can simply visit cleanenergyview.com. If you have a question, please send me a tweet at June Stoyer or post a comment on our page at facebook.com forward slash cleanenergyview. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at info at cleanenergyview.com. Today's show is sponsored by RamVPN.com, the leading provider of next-generation online anonymity and VPN security solutions. Their architecture is unique, tamper-safe, and 100% guaranteed. They even accept Bitcoin. For more information, please visit their website at www.RamVPN.com. Energy is something the world depends upon for a myriad of reasons ranging from power, heat, food production, to transportation. The race to create innovative technologies in order to meet these needs while cutting costs and improving the way we use energy is tremendous and very exciting. On today's show, New York's very own energy luminary, Mr. Robert Cattell, will be my guest to talk about this year's Advanced Energy Conference, which will be held in New York City at the Jacob Javits Convention Center from April 20th through the 22nd. Mr. Cattell is the chairman of the Advanced Energy Research and Technology Center at New York State University at Stony Brook. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Robert Cattell. Good afternoon, sir, and welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you, June. It's always a pleasure to be talking to you. I can't believe this is, what, the ninth year that the conference is going on? And this is actually our ninth conference. We, we skipped a year last year to maybe give people a little bit of a breather and to have a more meaningful program. So this is the ninth conference since we've started. And the uh, second time we've been at the Javits Center. Uh, last time we did it at the Javits Center was about three years ago, and we had over 2,000 people uh, show up. So we're looking forward to great attendance uh, this time as well. You have such an amazing life, and when I tell people about you, they're just like, wow. I just have to ask you, could you just take a moment and just share a little bit about your career with our listeners? Because we always have people that are tuning in from all sorts of different locations around the world, and they're always fascinated with what happens in New York, and you are such a legend in New York. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, Yeah, I'll just take a minute. I you know, had started from... uh, I guess, which is a, uh, some uh, meager beginnings, grew up uh, in the borough of Brooklyn, raised by a single parent. My mother had the, the benefit of going through a great public school system and getting into city college, uh, uh, which was tuition-free at the time. Otherwise, I couldn't have gone to college. And I uh, was able to obtain a master's degree in mechanical engineering, started my uh, career actually in the telecommunications business with AT&T, I was there very briefly, and I moved to a uh, a gas utility in the borough of Brooklyn. It was called the Brooklyn Union Gas Company at that time. I started there as a a meter reader in the meter repair shop and uh, had a great career there, eventually uh, becoming the chairman and CEO of a company called Keyspan, which had grown from a small gas company in Brooklyn uh, to one of the largest uh, energy companies in the northeast United States. Uh, Keyspan was acquired by National Grid, a global energy company, in 2007, and they uh, kept me on for two years as U.S. chairman, vice chairman of the, of, the, of the parent company, and I retired in 2009, although I don't feel like I've retired, and was able to uh, 
make a connection with the dean of the engineering school out at Stony Brook uh, University, Dr. Yako Shamash, and we endeavored and were successful in building a platinum lead certified advanced energy research technology center out at Stony Brook, so I'm able to continue my career in the energy business. Even many years ago, you knew that the world had to move towards cleaner forms of energy and with the reduction of the use of our natural resources and lower impact on the environment. From what I understand, there are a number of clean energy initiatives that are now available in New York. Can you just share some of these initiatives with our listeners? Yes. Um, I had the good fortune uh, of, of going up in the, in the natural gas industry. And, and while natural gas is a fossil fuel, it's the cleanest burning of fossil fuels, has the lowest emissions. So even in my corporate life, I was very sensitive to the environment, maintaining a clean environment. And we had a number of programs in, in the company that focused on the environment. We also focused on the efficient use of energy even before it became popular to do so. But things have changed greatly, and there's a great focus, as you mentioned, on reducing carbon, reducing emissions. Uh, New York State has some pretty ambitious goals in that regard, uh, becoming uh, getting to the point where 50% of our energy is coming from renewables by, uh, by 2030. Uh, an ambitious goal and certainly one that uh, we are going at the Energy Center uh, hopeful to be able to support. So we're focusing on research in the clean energy space, uh, things from creating energy from biofuels uh, to uh, making the grid more efficient, incorporating renewables like wind and solar into the grid, and also uh, working very closely with the New York State Public Service Commission on the reforming the energy vision, as they call it, or REV proceeding, which will dramatically change the utility model, make customers have give customers more control of their energy usage, and hopefully provide a more efficient environmental uh, energy delivery system. Do you find that many of our friends overseas are looking at the different advancements that are taking place here in New York and are modeling their own initiatives based upon the things that you're doing here? I think that's absolutely the case. I, I do still travel a little bit internationally. I was at an energy conference in uh, Korea uh, just two weeks ago and actually traveled from there to, to China, Beijing, where they obviously have some uh, serious energy problems. And I've spoken to people in the international arena uh, quite a bit. And they're looking at New York. They see New York as being a leader in both its initiatives with respect to reforming the energy vision, but also the initiatives with the incorporation of cleaner energies, wind and solar, into the grid. One of the key things in order to make a lot of this work is battery storage, and we are doing significant research at the Energy Center in the field of battery storage. Can you share some of the new technologies that are emerging in this arena? Because I know that especially after storms like Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Sandy and more recent storms, it's a very big concern. Well, certainly uh, resiliency is, is an important consideration. And that's, I think, uh, caused a shift uh, of the utility model from large central power plants distributing uh, energy to the consumers to a more distributed energy system uh, things like microgrids are being talked about where there'll be localized energy uh, production and, and hopefully it'll be from renewables like wind and solar 
which will then provide a more resilient energy distribution system. It will also will help in the restoration process. So in the Energy Center, we're doing a lot of focus on that. As I mentioned, we're focusing on battery storage. We also have uh, companies at the Energy Center that are developing very efficient energy products and also uh, companies that are focusing on reducing demand uh, in the system, which is probably one of the most efficient ways that we can, we can uh, uh, reduce our dependence on, on carbon-based fuels. Thank you. The cost of transportation is something that impacts industry as well as the consumer. There are a number of technologies that are emerging. Can you talk about some of these technologies that impact the future of transportation as well as its energy demands? Well, as, as, as you point out, the transportation sector is an important one from both an energy consumption and an environmental standpoint. Uh, a lot of the focus today is on electric vehicles, and, uh, you know, you've seen the headlines about uh, about the, uh, the what's going on in the electric vehicle space, uh, certainly it's gotten a lot of attention, and and I think there's a large move in the electric vehicle uh, space as they as they become more in the marketplace. Another area that uh, that is becoming popular in the transportation space of more I guess commercialized is using alternate fuels, whether it be compressed natural gas or uh, renewable natural gas, which is gas that's produced uh, from renewable sources, so it has no carbon in it. So I think electric vehicles, um, lower carbon fuels in, in more conventional vehicles, all of which will depend on build, building the infrastructure, and a lot of it will, particularly in the electric sector, again, will depend on having a very efficient storage uh, in the cars that can give them the mileage that's necessary for them to become more popular. What advice do you have to young people that are exploring different universities and are considering a career in energy? Sure. Uh, I'm biased, of course, since I, I am an engineer, so I studied engineering, and I think the engineering education gives you a great foundation for almost anything in life because it's about solving problems. But I would suggest that young people you know, look at the, at the science and technology fields, I think there's a lot of opportunities, not only in the energy sector, there's a lot of opportunities in the medical sector as well with biomedical engineering. But I think uh, get a good background in math and science and then look at possibly engineering, computer science. As I mentioned, the biomedical engineering field is a big one. Um, but on the energy space, with the need for new and cleaner sources of energy and being more efficient, there can be, I think, a lot of commercial opportunities for young people in that space. Thank you. This year's conference just seems to be getting better and better. Who are some of the speakers that you're looking forward to hearing? Well, we, we, we do have a great conference uh, uh, building. We, we have over 197 speakers in total, so I'm not going to give you all of their names. We have eight tracks. Uh, we are going to probably have at least 50 exhibitors. But some of the key speakers at the conference, you know, starting right here in New York State, will be Richard Kaufman, who is, uh, as they call him, the energy czar. He's in charge of oil energy in the state. We're going to have Undersecretary Lynn Orr. We'll be broadcasting live from DOA headquarters uh, the reason that Lynn's not going to be with us is they're holding their Big Ideas Summit uh, with all their DOE national labs, but we'll have that uh, uh, undersecretary live. Dr. Ellen Williams, director of ARPA-E, which funds uh, projects all over the country, 17 in New York, uh, three of which are at the Advanced Energy Center. 
Uh, so she'll be a speaker at the conference. Getting closer to home, we'll have uh, John Rhodes, the uh, president of NYSERDA, New York's Energy Research Development Authority. We'll have Audrey Zibelman, the uh, chairman of the New York Public Service Commission, who is really the director of the, the REV process. So those are just some of the stars that we are going to have at the conference, which I think will really present some very interesting uh, forums for our, for our attendees. One of the things that I've noticed is that there are a lot of very bright women that are leaders in the energy sector. Once again, when it comes to young people, with young women that are considering a career, what advice do you have? Because typically from what I had observed years ago, it seemed to have been a male-dominated industry, but it's changed. It's changed dramatically. I think there are more opportunity for women in the energy space today than perhaps even for men. An example is, is our own, I'll call her our own, Esther Takeuchi. Esther Takeuchi is a researcher at the, um, at the Energy Center, uh, and she's actually a joint hire between Stony Brook and Brookhaven National Labs. She's the foremost researcher in the battery space. She has, I think, close to 200 patents. I'm told she has more patents than any other woman in the country, maybe in the world. She received President Obama's Medal for Innovation and Technology uh, three years ago. So here's an example of a woman who has really risen in the energy space. And uh, I think there are many women like that. You know, I mentioned Dr. Ellen Williams, closer to home, uh, Audrey Zibelman, of course, the chairman of the Public Service Commission, Janet Joseph, who is a vice president of NYSERDA, and in the utility space, uh, we're seeing, which is where I grew up, we're seeing many more women raising, rising to the CEO position in the utility space. So depending on what, where you want to go, if you want to do it on the corporate side, there's certainly great opportunities for women today or on the research and energy side. Mr. Cattell, thank you once again for taking the time to be on the show today. It has been such a pleasure, and I really look forward to seeing you again next week at the conference. Oh, June, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, hopefully 